Open your Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Job. I'd never attended church a day in my life, never read the Bible one moment of my life, but I happened to hear Mom talking to a neighbor one day, and some way or another the question came up about, what's your favorite book of the Bible? And uh, I didn't know there were different books in the Bible. But I'll never forget what Mom said because I, I don't think I'd ever heard the word before. She said, uh, the book of Job is my favorite book in the Bible. Well, I certainly didn't know why, and it wasn't until many years later, uh, after I become familiar with the book of Job, that I could understand why, why my mother might have... Uh, love this book so much. Uh, one of the problems, I think, is we tend to overthink things and make them more complicated than what they are. That's, Job got in trouble doing that, by the way. Brother Ron had a, 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 a verse, Psalms 9, verse 1 and 2, on Facebook this morning with a, uh, with a comment on it that said, In pain... And distress, praise to the Lord, brings comfort and peace. And, you know, I thought to myself, what a good reminder of the fact that sometimes the most simple, fundamental, elementary, basic things of life are actually the most serious. And uh, sadly, the most neglected. Because, you know, we, for example, we think about the little kids. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. And that's, that is so simple. God is great. God is good. And some way or another, a lot of folks do not realize how profound that statement really is. How important it is. And, uh, boy, if we would just focus more on that fact. God is great. God is good. We'd have a much easier time in dealing with all of our problems. And uh, uh, most people, it seems like they look everywhere in the world for a solution to the problem except where they should. And, and of course, that is to the Lord. And uh, I want you to notice here in Job chapter number 36... We find here something that reminds us of the need to get our focus back on God. Verse number 26. Behold, God is great, and we know him not. Neither can the number of his years be searched out. Now remember, this was in the time of Job's great sorrow. He had He'd lost absolutely everything, so to speak, and, uh, and uh, was going through deep grief, and the mystery of all of it was just, you know, sometimes more than he could bear. And you, as you could well imagine, losing all of his children, his business is gone, he's at rock bottom in his life, and... Uh, his three friends come along, but uh, they proved to be more of a hindrance than a help. And finally, a young man, a friend of his, a young friend by the name of Elihu, comes along and ministers to Job. 
And he seems to be the voice of reason in a time of great confusion. And I think of all of the things that Elihu said to Job, I think this is, to me, at the very top of the list. He's telling Job that God is all-powerful, God is unsearchable, God is eternal. Many years ago, a famous writer by the name of J.B. Phillips wrote a little book entitled, Your God is Too Small. And he had it right, because in the minds of so many people, God is too small. People are as religious today as they've ever been, but we have a shrinking concept of God. It's a distorted perception of God, and I think that we have actually tried to downsize God to make Him more manageable. You know, we want to get God down there close enough to us that we can manipulate Him, and that's why I think that we sometimes... uh, Some people do anyway, refer to him as the man upstairs or they uh, speak of him as being a higher being. And as far as I'm concerned, all of that nonsense is blasphemy because God is not your good buddy. God is not your co-pilot. He is God. And there's none like him. And whenever I think about all of this nonsense, I have to ask myself the question, what has led to all of these misconceptions about God? Why is it that it's seemingly in our churches we're no longer seeing Him high and lifted up? You know, we think of Him as being, you know, kind of on the same level as Santa Claus, that if you need something and you be good, eventually, you know, you might get what you want. And that's all we think of God. But God is much more than that. And I want you to notice that Elihu, the first thing that he is trying to establish here is the greatness of God. Notice the word behold. He's calling for attention. Behold, stop what you're doing. Pay attention. Think about what I'm about to say. Behold, focus your attention on God. Now, the reason he does that is because whenever we put our attention on God, it leads to our admiration of God. And as a result of that, because we are thinking, you know, greater things of God, because we are exalting God to his rightful position, it helps us in dealing with every situation that we face. And I think our attention has been diverted to other things long enough, and we need to get it back on God and His goodness and His greatness. Now, I want to say four simple things this morning based on this statement here and and what Elihu has to say to Job. First of all, it's obvious that everyone has a perception of God. You search the world over. I don't care where you go in the world. You'll find people that have some concept of God. Some of the views are wild and they're weird because some see God in everything and others can't see God in anything other than to recognize that in their mind there is some divine power. There is some mysterious force that is greater than man. 
And then, of course, there are those few that at least they claim they believe that God is merely the figment of our imagination. You go to the other extreme and you have people like Hindus who have, I've read, 330 million gods. Think about it, 330 million gods. And then there are those that believe there is only one true and living God. They would agree with us on that. There's only one true and the living God, but they have a distorted view of Him. We better make sure that we base our concept of God upon what the Word of God teaches. You listen to some people and watch the way that they live, and you come away with the impression that God is just okay. He's all right. You know, it's, we'll give him one day out of the week. Oh, at least a little piece of that one day out of the week. You know, if we get really excited about our relationship with this God that is in our mind, we, we might even, you know, break loose the purse strings and give him 10% of, of all of our income or something like that. But, you know, we still, we've still got him in a box and reduced him down to a manageable size to where, you know, we can make him fit in according to our needs. God's okay. I think about 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 28 where it says, these people, you'll remember the story perhaps, where they said the the Lord is God of the hills, but He is not God of the valleys. Now think about that. Here they are out there battling their enemies and what have you, and you know, well, it's all right if we're, you know, if we're fighting up in the hills, that's all right. God is God of the hills, but He's not God down in the valleys. Well, don't you know God is God, period. Everywhere, God is God. And we need to rediscover the greatness of God so that our concept of God is in line with reality. And when we do that, we discover that God is great in His wisdom. God is great in His knowledge. God is great in His power. He's great in His faithfulness. He's great in His love and His mercy and His grace. There's absolutely nothing not to admire about God. And Elihu is pointing this out to Job. Remember, Job was a righteous man. Job had done absolutely nothing to bring all of this trouble upon himself. This was all God's doings. And here is this young whippersnapper coming along to Job saying, Job, you need to get your thoughts back on God because Job has been busy trying to justify himself. Because all of this seemed, you know, so unfair to Job. Why, why would, you know, God do this? I've been such a good person. And, you know, somebody needed to tell Job, Job, it's not about you. It's about God and what God wants to do. This is a call for attention to be put back on God. So everyone has a concept of God. Secondly, no one can fully understand God. And notice what Elihu says. He says, and we know Him not. Neither can we, the number of His years, be searched out. 
Now, when he says we know him not, he's not saying that he doesn't know anything about God. He's not even saying that he doesn't have a personal relationship with God. He's just simply letting us know that, you know, that we know him not in the truest sense. That is that our knowledge of God is only in part. We know in bits and pieces. No one knows God fully. No one knows God perfectly because His greatness is beyond comprehension. It's beyond expression. Regardless of how much you think you know about God, you know less than what you think. None of us even get close because He is more than we can Imagine, if you investigated every theory upon this earth, if you mastered every science, if you saw everything on earth, you still could not possibly fathom the greatness of God. Well, you might as well try to count all of the stars or all of the drops of water in the seven seas, or you might as well try to count all of the grains of sand along the, every coast in all of the world because you can't understand God. There are mysteries that are too great, things that, that, that you'll never figure out in this world. And Elihu, very clearly from what he says elsewhere, is trying to get Job to see that you don't need to understand God. You just need to trust God. And we need to, we need to realize that we can never fully understand the ways of God. Why would, why would God allow all of that to happen? Well, we'll know someday, but we're not going to know all of the mysteries right now, and Job couldn't understand it either. Number three is anyone can know God. Now, I just said that we can't know everything about God. We can't understand the ways of God. They are beyond our ability to comprehend, but even though, even though God is incomprehensible, God is knowable. Isn't that, a, isn't that a glorious thought? That we can know this great, this mighty, this powerful God. So when we speak about Him being incomprehensible, don't think for a minute that, you know, that we're like the agnostic that says, oh, well, yeah, there might be a God, but, but you can't really know Him. Well, yes, we can. You might never be able to meet those that are rich and famous. You might never be able to rub shoulders with the, with the leaders of nations, but regardless of who you are, how lowly your status in life might be, you can have a personal relationship with God because Christ makes that possible. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me and through the Lord Jesus Christ you can have a personal relationship with God. I think about Job's friends, and especially the first three that came along and how they misjudged Job. They said to Job, oh, there's got to be something wrong in your life. Surely there must be some sin that you've been hiding, and that's why God is bringing all of this misfortune upon you. God is judging you for your sin. And uh, there are some instances where even Elihu, I think, did not fully understand 
what God was doing and did not fully understand everything about Job and his situation, but he was absolutely right when he says this, Acquaint now thyself with him. This is chapter 22, verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. He says, Job, you need to get to know God better. That's the whole idea. It's not that Job didn't have a relationship with God. He did. But sometimes even when we have a relationship with God, we lose our focus on God. And notice he says, acquaint thyself now. now. Not later, now. Now's the time to do it. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. So whether they misjudge Job or not, that you know, that's not the point. The point is this was an honest, true statement that in acquainting ourselves with God, in getting to know God, having a relationship with God, living with our focus on God, as a result of that, we can have peace. Knowing that we are at peace with God enables us to enjoy the peace of God. There can be no peace of God until there's peace with God. And that peace is only possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. So everyone has some perception of God, some idea of what they think about God, right or wrong. No one can fully understand God, but although we cannot fully understand God, we can have a personal relationship with God. And that leads me to the fourth thing that I want to leave with you. And that is the fact that someone needs to tell everyone about God. Someone needs to tell everyone about God. Now I realize that God in creation has given us a witness of Himself. In other words, we can look up into the stars and, you know, in the sky and we can look around us and we can see what God has done and we can come to realize that you know, surely it took great wisdom and great power to bring all of this about. And so we see some testimony of God so we can know there is a God. But although that tells us there is a God, that doesn't in any wise whatsoever tell us how we can get to know Him or how we can go to heaven. You see, not only do they need the witness of creation, they need the witness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only message whereby they can be saved. And those of us who have received it have an obligation to share that information with others. You know, I've often said the first uh, Christian song that I can ever remember hearing was Mother singing out under the clothesline, This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. But there was the second, and that just hit me this morning, the, the second religious song that I can ever remember hearing, and I must have been 11 or 12, and my sister and I, along with uh, our cousins, all loaded up uh, and went to the lake. He had a boat, and we went down there to go water skiing. And uh, on the way down there, they had evidently been to church. 
And they started singing this little chorus, Do Lord, oh, do Lord, oh, do. I had no idea. That's a cute little, you know, tune. And we were all singing along, but I had, I had no idea whatsoever what that meant. You know, it's tragic to think that you can grow up in the United States of America and no one ever share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. No one ever even tried until my senior year at high school. One of the young men who's a pastor now, if he's still living, a young man by the name of Gary Wilson came to my house one day. He had never been to my, I didn't know knew Gary from school, but that was all. We spoke, that, that, was, that was all. I was a greaser and he was one of these Real nice guys, so we didn't, you know, we didn't see each other or hang out or anything else. But he showed up one day and knocked on the door. Said uh, he had a car, and and, and well, that was impressive. He said, "Could we talk a little while?" And he said, "Come on out the car. I want to talk to you." And, and for the first time in my life, someone tried now. At least he made an effort to try to ask me about my spiritual condition. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. wasn't really interested. But at least he tried. But let me tell you, all around us are people that have never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody needs somebody to help them with their spiritual needs. Here is Job a righteous man, a man who does know God, a man who loves God, a man who worships God, but he's going through this great difficulty in his life. And thank God that someone comes along that's got a little common sense and says, look, Job, we need to get back to the very basics of life. It's not about you, Job. It's about God. And you don't need to understand Him. You just need to trust Him. I can remember some years ago preaching a message entitled, How Big Is God? <laughs> well, I don't know. He inhabits the, he- inhabits the heavens and the earth. I mean, God is everywhere, but I, I don't know how big God is. I, I don't know. What I do know is that he's big enough. He's big enough. I know that God is bigger than all of your problems. Regardless of who you are, this morning Ricky was talking a while ago about falling out of that tree and got to the hospital and he didn't remember anything until, until you know he got there, but all of that was just a blank space in his memory. But... The doctor told him, said, boy, you were really lucky. And he said, no, I wasn't lucky. You know, it was God protecting me through all of this. Regardless of your problem, the nature of it makes no difference because our God is bigger than every single problem you'll ever encounter. And the devil, listen, the devil doesn't like anything more than to get you backed in a corner to where you feel like that it's hopeless and you are defeated and all you can do is curl up in a fetal position and suck your thumb and watch the world go by because there's no hope for you. Get over yourself. 
Forget that nonsense. It's not about you. It's about God and you don't have any problem that God can't solve. You don't have any need God can't meet. You don't have any doubt God can't conquer. You don't have any fear that God can't overcome. You don't have any enemies that God can't defeat. Don't ever underestimate the power of what God is able to do. Don't underestimate Listen, I'm going to give you three things and I'm through. Don't underestimate the power of listening to the Word of God. This book is a living book. It is alive. And whenever we listen to it and the God, remember, God created everything. How did He do that? By speaking God spoke the world into existence. When you and I listen to the Word of God, it does something that nothing else can do. Never underestimate the power of listening to the Word of God. Don't ever underestimate the power of believing the promises of God. Yeah. I could tell who it was a while ago when... They were singing about no tears shall ever stain the streets of that city. And Brother Ron was coming apart at the seams back there and emotionally and, and, and rejoicing at the same time because, you know, we, we know what he and Peggy have gone through. And those things are just not supposed to happen, you know, in our mind. And I know the thing that keeps them going. And that's those exceeding great and precious promises of God. Don't you ever underestimate how powerful those are. Knowing God can't lie and God comes along and says, Look, I know you don't understand this, but trust me, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord or the called according to His purpose. That changes your life. I can remember shortly after I was saved trying to conquer certain sins in my life, I'd get up from my desk and go into the bathroom and I would stand there, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I'd repeat that over and over and over again and go back to my desk. Don't ever underestimate the power of God's promises. Thirdly, don't ever underestimate the power of asking God for help. You know, sometimes we talk about, well, we say something like this. We say, you know, everything depends on prayer, and then we don't even pray. I wonder how many times the devil has convinced us, and here we are going through some great trial, Suffering some great need, and the devil convinces us all. Walking down that aisle and kneeling down, that's not going to help anything, or even bowing my head right here where I'm at and praying. That's not going to really change anything. It is what it is. I've got to deal with it, and prayer wouldn't really make any difference. God's going to do whatever He wants to do. I love what God said to Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Don't underestimate the power of prayer and what God is able to do. We have not because we ask not. I realize that nobody here is going through what Job went through. Your story is a different story. But your need isn't one bit different than Job's need. And it gets right back to the most basic fundamental thing in all of the world. You need God because God is great and God is good. And because of that, you can depend on a God like that. Let's stand together. Father, speak to our hearts this morning how we thank you for this for this word that you've given us and the truth of it. And Lord, I just pray this morning if there are those here that are strangers to your saving grace, they don't have one bit of hope that they would go to heaven if they died today. And I just pray that this might be the day they would acquaint themselves with you, that they would get to know you through trusting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then, Heavenly Father, you have those here that are your own dear children, that you live so, love so much that you gave your Son to redeem them. And they're going through deep waters and hard struggles and problems that they can't even begin to understand. And I just pray this morning that they will, that, that they will do as you've urged over and over again. And that is to call upon your name. We have not because we ask not. And I pray today that they'll ask and they'll go away having received. Meet their needs. And most of all today, may you be glorified in whatever's accomplished. But we beg it.